All right, we're here. Let's do it. Another episode of Brooks McDonald podcast with <laughs> Brooks McDonald and Tyler Milkey. We're still excited here. to, yeah, we made it another <laughs> round. Yeah. They haven't cut us off the airways yet. <laughs> they um, might after this one. They may after this one. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I'm excited as always to share this time to chat. Um, if you're new to this, what we're trying to do is just take some time as, um, as individuals in the world that are also Christians and figure out how do we behave in life and in work and in the world at, with our Christian values, but also be um, in motivation and inspiration moving towards accomplishing things in life. But a lot of times out there in the world, there's a lot of um, great speakers and great motivation, but they, it's void of Christ. Yeah, Or they kind of go very ambiguous to the universe in order to attract a big audience or be more respectful, which I totally understand. It's kind of a little bit about what this podcast today is a little bit about. Yeah. Um, but I think there is a, definitely an opportunity to share more about motivation and life, but also linking Christ, Christ to it. And, and then just yeah. unpacking different subjects. Also, if you watch this, you would say, well, you were chatting about the rise of China as an empire. So we, kinda, <laughs> we can go all over the place. That's why it's named the Brooks <laughs> McDonald podcast. If you're wondering, because we kind of cover a lot of topics. Yeah. Um, so we were going to spend some time today. Um, Tyler, you and I were spending some dis- discussion time around being cr- uh, Christ-like in the world. Yeah. And the challenge that that presents in daily life. It actually came out of when we finished the last podcast, we sat in for another 20 minutes and kind of hashed out this one a little bit. That's and, true. No, it was in our head. Talk. Yeah. So... I think there's just there's needs to be more conversation in our in different circles around what is it like to emulate Christ and unpacking what that would physically be looking like. How, how would we how would that appear mm-hmm. in our daily lives? Um, and it started with an idea, and, and we're top the topic you see is messy grace, which yeah. is actually a great book. Messy grace. That book is about. Um, a now pastor who was raised by two moms, uh, openly a lesbian couple, mm-hmm. and he was raised there, was marching in Texas yeah, and, in, the and pride gave, in the pride parades and, and the whole community. And everything. he became, he came to know Christ and tried to figure out, hey, I love these moms. I love who they are, but also want to show Christ. And how do you balance that? Yeah. Not only did he come to know Christ, he became a pastor. Right. Exactly. And he, he unpacks just different ways about, hey, walking in the truth of the gospel, but showing love first. And that's that's a lot, again, of today. Because if we looked at Christ in scriptures, and a lot of people, they want to compare themselves to different Bible characters. And that's what I, we first started our discussion around was, mm-hmm. you know, someone say, well, man, I'm kind of like Simon Peter, or this guy kind of preaches more like Paul. And I think we do see similarities with the people that interacted with Christ, doubting Thomas and how he uh, didn't believe who Christ was. I, we we find that, but yeah. I think it could be dangerous if people try to relate just to some of the disciples and maybe not to Christ Himself. Well, I think if they denounce, they see some of the flaws in in some of the disciples. Like, well, they had those problems, so it's okay if I have those problems. Well. Yeah. Well, we can I mean, relate in a human respect or respect of like, and we're going to have those problems. But it doesn't mean that it's okay to have those problems. No, but you know? it's also it's easier to relate because we are going to fail just like the yeah, disciples exactly. did, and the Lord didn't. Yeah, we're but human. It goes back to just as I'm watching um, 
politics polarize more and more. We hit on that on one of the other podcasts yeah, too, we had. We just about China and all that. Yes, yeah. the extremities that we're seeing right now that most people are saying are as divisive as ever. Mm-hmm. The left is so far left, the right so far right. And there's also a lot of discussion around, especially down here in the state of Florida, um, re- relating politics and, and Christianity and mm-hmm. putting God on one side of the fence. And there's some very unique issues to political parties that I would say at times it's hard to challenge that Christ would be behind some of the other ones. I, I get a little bit of their heart, but I just it forces me to keep coming back to, in the world, if you're in a situation, where and how would Christ behave? Mm-hmm. Not only how would he behave, but where would you see him? Where would he be? And I keep coming back to The Chosen, the show, we've talked about it a couple of times, but it's just a great portrayal of the human that Christ was. And that he's portrayed and based off of scripture is how, man, he mixed with some interesting crowds. Yeah. He really spent time with the least of these. And who was he most um, critical of were the religious leaders yeah, and the, the Pharisees, Pharisees, right? really hated him because he associated with unrighteous people. And to them, right. that made him unrighteous. There you go. Yeah. And it was bucking the system, <clears throat> mm-hmm. trying to, they had had a class system of politics and relationships, and it was all into their minds, nice and needed in a bow. They and, were like a political party, essentially, or or mm-hmm. power. And, yeah. And, and it was just wrapped up in religion at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So I, as you sit and think about that, you see a lot of parallels at times mm-hmm. between, you know, Pharisees political power, political party that, you know, pushed religious views on people and really became to kind of snub, well, did snub their nose at a lot of people mm-hmm. and do anything that they could to win. And um, I just, I, I get into this mindset of, okay, if Christ was here in this moment and in these places, how would he be? And I, I just said that a minute ago, but who would he be talking to? Yeah. And it, I, I run through this scenario. It just sits in my head about, um, you know, you're sitting out or you're out to eat with your family or you're at some event and somebody comes in and it's probably pretty apparent by seeing their uh, choice and and life decisions and and how they affiliate that they probably aren't Christ followers. Mm-hmm. There's from from some of the LGBTQ community or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you as a Christian behave in those situations and then interact? I mean, I have uh, close family members uh, that are openly gay. I have um, friends that I went to high school with that we still stay close, um, that walk in different walks that are not believers. Um, and how, and it, it paranoids me to think, man, how do I be Christ in these situations? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I want to see socially that it would be easier just to point fingers to recognize, uh, you know, what we would challenge as sin or in Christianity, and um, and maybe not really focus on the love side. Yeah, I think people don't realize sometimes how cutting those words are. Which words? It, it just it, it people, you know, the eye rolls or you're this, or you're that, you're yeah. a sinner, you're. There, there's there's truth to that. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but you know these these words from people that don't understand God, they don't understand Jesus, and here they see a person that's telling them 
they're evil, they're living in sin, all this yeah. stuff, and and really put yourself in your shoes. Is that walking in love to them? Yeah, you know. And we we talked about this woman at the well, where Jesus, you know, came to came to the well and interacted with essentially an unclean Samaritan woman, and yeah. it you know it was there there was a there was an interaction there. It wasn't a oh you're get away from me like. Yeah. I, cast you away you you're, you're evil you're a half breed you yeah. you talked about kind of where the samaritans came from but sure yeah there was there wasn't a shying away from an interaction and i think it's very been very easy for the church to go well they're so in my face i can yeah no i that's can right. i can you know kind of i have to give it back to him i have to speak speak the yeah. truth and it's like well you kind of threw out the love portion well, of it and you kind of threw out any opportunity you had to share about Christ because you were shoving it down their throats. Yeah. No, there's a lot to unpack with what you just said because um, there is a piece of, well, we have to be a loud voice because the other side of the aisle is being a loud voice and we're going to lose our values if we don't stand up and and also go toe-to-toe the way they are coming at us, us and them, again, they, us and them mentality, um, so we have to be able to stand firm. But, well, let's go to Scripture and see what does it say. It says, Christ says to turn the other cheek. He says to give the cloak off your back. If in that time, in Christ's time, Romans were ruling, they had the right to demand any non-Roman soldier to um, carry whatever, be basically another mule for them. The mule that they had didn't have enough. They, The Jewish people at the time were their mule. And they had, by law, to carry it a mile. And they didn't like that. They thought it was demeaning. Could you imagine what that could be like? I mean, I think of World War II, like Jewish individuals and Mm -hmm. Hitler and things, and how just demoralizing that would be. And for your Savior to come and say, yeah, why don't if he asked you to go one, go two, and turn the other cheek, meaning if you turn the other cheek, you'd already took the impact and full blow of one, one swing, and he's telling you to turn and take the other. And those words are contrary to the argument of let's just fight words with words. Let's go strong and heavy. Uh, the, the key thing that I stand out with this with Christ was he was not of this world in his behavior. And he was so um, counter to how the individuals, the religious individuals of that day were. Mm-hmm. And he was spending time in the roughest of places where he was judged quickly for it. And what does that look like today? What would we, so if we had somebody in a, in a situation to where, you know, whether it be a transgender individual or wherever else, and there would be situations where if you knew somebody that walked in the room, they knew exactly who you were, and they also see this individual, and they could, in their opinions, that independent label that person as whatever. How do you, how are you going to behave? How are you going to, because the question would be, how are we going to build relationships? How do we? How do they know how much we care before they care how much we know? And so, how do we build that in our life? And that's if we're going to share truth with someone, if we're going to have a rapport and relationship with someone that would make them care, want to know what you think, or to look to you for answers. That means that there's a depth of relationship there. And I think an easy cop out for so many are. Nah, we just tell them what it is. They're wrong. It's easy to say they're wrong. The Lord hates them because they're wrong and doing wrong things. They're sharing evil. They're spreading evil in the world. This is of Satan. 
I hear those types of words. It's like, wait, just a second. That individual on the other side of that keyboard, on the other side of that camera, is loved as much by God as I am. And that's what Christ walked in. So when we talked about the Samaritans, we talked about who they were, and I had some great preachers that have talked about it before. Um, one previous minister that I had in Memphis talked about how in the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, if you go through that parable, there was basically, he framed it in today's words, because the Samaritans, if you look back at those people, were um, the Assyrians took over, conquered Israel, and started intermarrying and mixing in. And the Assyrians were of that time the most brutal of all people. They In war, how they um, treated people, the terrible things they did to people, it was awful. I mean, they brought in torture and really first in the world. <clears throat> and the Samaritans were this mixture, and G- Jews called them dogs or half-breeds. I mean, it was not a well-looked-upon group of people to the Jews of the day. And here's Jesus telling a story saying, hey, you're stuck on the side of the road, you've been beat up and robbed, and b- uh, along comes very righteous individuals, and he gives a couple examples of basically people they would have known that they would have looked up to, they would have thought would have immediately helped them, and neither one of them helped. But this Samaritan comes along, this one that they call dog and half-breed, stops to help them. And so his reference was today it was like one of your best buds from college coming by, and somebody else that was looked to as this religious leader of the time coming by, and none of them will stop to help. They're too busy, and they snub you and move on. But then, all of a sudden, a member of ISIS is coming by, a very apparent Taliban member that is a terrorist, is is all of a sudden coming by you, and you're thinking, this is the last person I want to help me, nor would they, nor would they ever show kindness. And that person stops to help you. And that's trying to, Jesus is trying to reframe the eyes to say, look who you judge versus the people that w- are the most unlikely to help, that, that are the ones to help. And then all of a sudden he goes to the Samaritan woman at the well. And I love again when I reference the chosen, how they kind of portray it that when they were moving, I think on their way to Galilee, there I think was a more direct route that not to go through Samaria. Yeah. But Jesus had already planned in his head there was a reason he needed to go. And so he sent them into town to do some things, and he found himself alone midday at the well. Well, midday at the well alone as a man, you would have known not to be there because any unclean woman, i.e. this Samaritan woman who had had multiple husbands or not married at all, that's the only time they could go draw water in the heat of day because the cool of the morning, they're not accepted because they were kicked out because they were half-breeds, and she was just unclean and terrible. But he was specifically there waiting for her. And as she came, she, in the portrayal, I love how they make her just sassy. She was like biting at him. Uh, And he kept trying to give her hints that there was something that she could do, but like saying, hey, I could help you. You know, we give living water. She's like, okay, you show me this living water. That's cool. Tell me where it is. And finally, he has to call her by name. In Scripture, it talks about how he talks about the husband she had, the situation that he would have never known. Yeah, she just said, for being she, Christ. He said, go get your husband. And she said, I have no husband. And he was like, yeah, I you know. have five. Yeah. And she's like, whoa, wait. And yeah. she said at that moment, I, it, she realized he was a prophet. Yeah. And then he, <laughs> she's, she, her walls came down. And she was <clears throat> yes. like, oh, my goodness. And the storyline there is how did he, he specifically sought out her. 
he not I'm when I say specifically sought out, he traveled out of his way to a different area to go chase her. It actually reminds me as I'm just sitting here thinking of how the shepherd will leave the 99 to go get the, get one, the one, yeah. Right? And that's that's Christ is the example that he was going out in the world out of his way to go in the darkest of places where socially it was unacceptable to love on people. And how are we doing that as Christians in the world? And do you find yourself, there's a, you know, in Christ's day in the Bible, we didn't have computers and social media, but we have to reframe that in our light. And we think about what we just say, keyboard warriors. And so are you on social media and you see a hashtag FJB or some current political things today, and that's what you're sharing or pushing out there, man, are you setting the tone for someone that's different than you, that Jesus loves as much as anyone, to be able to build that relationship? What, are, what were some other things? What's coming to your well, head? Well, what, what I thought was really interesting, too, is when the disciples come back and they see Jesus with the woman at the well, he kind of schools them a little bit. Because he 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 says, "Hey, the harvest is not four months from now, ten months from now, in the future. It's right here. It's ready. It's all around you. Open your eyes." And this interaction with the woman at the well, it says that she basically realized he was the Messiah and starts telling everybody in the town, and tons of people came to know the Lord. Yeah, because of that. And I think we can easily draw that parallel into today that. We hear this a lot of times in the church. The harvest is coming. There's a revival coming. You know, we're, yeah. we're, I've heard this all growing up, and it's like, well, look around us. It's here now. Yeah. Why can't we just show love and interact with people as we would anybody else? Sure. You know, it 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 doesn't mean you have to start interacting and going into the culture and and uh, uh, um, participating in the sin yourself. It means you you hold to your God, you hold to Jesus and you're so care about them and you so want them to see the love of God because they need it just as much as you know, you need it Yeah. because where would we be without it that you're willing to go into places that are super uncomfortable. You're willing to have interactions and conversations that are super uncomfortable because you want them to see the love that is God. Mm -hmm. And I draw a parallel. Like when I started, when I was really young, I started working with, um, a guy and I've never seen somebody just walk in love like he does and just live it out. We were just doing minor maintenance work at like AT&T stores, but he would just love on these employees and they were just living all over the place and sleeping with this and doing that. And all. It, it was, it was kind of a mess, a lot of these people's lives, but he would just love on them. And, and if he got the opportunity to share God with them or say, yeah, you know, you should come to church or just little things. And yeah. they, I can't tell you how many times I worked with him. And there would be a day where one of the employees would would have a breakdown and he'd be like, how you doing? And she'd be like, I just, I'm having a hard time. He'd be like, well, tell me about it. What's going on? And she'd just start crying or he'd just start crying. And he just sat there for an hour and spent time with them and shared with them and loved on them and then invited them to church. And that that point changed their life, but he right. didn't shy away. He didn't go, oh, these people, they're, they're, they're a mess. I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not sure. going to associate with them. He he pushed into those interactions and yeah. tried to to bring in that relationship, and then those opportunities arise. And when they did, they were just it, it beautiful. I mean, yeah. they're, they're just insane to watch yeah. unfold. 
there's like one person that comes to my mind when you're telling that story, that person, because I know another gentleman that like, he's the nicest older man in his eighties and just sweet as he can be. But he had this insurance agency down a really rough area of town and he had the chance to interact with some rough characters just by the, really the type of insurance he was writing. And, um, he just views views every day as his mission field of everybody he's around that he would love on people and everybody that he was with that had those kind of like what you were saying, they knew he wasn't that type of person to do those things, but they, he was the first person they came to, to share their joys, to ask for prayer because ultimately no matter how they're behaving or what people are looking to, people are lost and searching. Everyone is. And they're trying to find somebody that they can lean into. If you know, I've seen on social media, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about myself in that I can improve in a lot of ways. But there have been some moments to where I would have somebody that really doesn't want to affiliate with Christianity at all. I haven't even talked to them about it, honestly. But at some points, when the tough hits, when mom or dad's in the hospital, siblings in the hospital, spouse, something's going on, and they're lost and trying to find help and they're asking for prayer, they'll reach out directly and say, hey, do you mind praying for this? I know you're a believer. And that is just a door that opened to be able to share Christ's love. And that's, uh, you referenced it earlier about just not judging other people. And that's really one of my piece of topics of messy grace, is if anyone you're interacting with catches any hint that you are judging them or passing judgment over them, they're not going to want to be around you at all. No. They feel like, first of all, our inner voices as adults is worse enough, bad enough. We already judge ourselves to death. But if they walk in a room where they feel that judgment's placed on them, they have no desire to be around you, no no desire to come back. And so my challenge is, is not taking the easy road of watching Fox News or CNN or whichever political piece you watch to say, hey, us and them, those people want this. This is about vaccines. This is about LGBTQ. This is about abortion. This is about that. And quickly, easily saying, nah, this, who this is. How do we walk intentionally in life to say, how do I position myself intentionally to love on people that don't look like me? And then how do I walk a mile in their shoes to be able to understand their perspective of life so maybe that I could have a better frame of reference of what they're dealing with. And then how do I slowly love on them? Because at the end of the day, none we're broken too. That's one other, that's the real get on my soapbox thing for a minute. Is we want to look at sin specifically to the ones that are icky to us. But we want to easily brush over. It's easy for a guy to brush over a discussion of somebody, other guy looking at pornography or in a capitalistic society, how easy it is to, from a um, covetedness to one other people's stuff or constantly materialistically doing or gluttony, any of those things in the eyes of the Lord, as it says, are sin even, sin. even yeah. in his book. If you thought about something, it's to that level. So we don't have some perfection to bring to somebody. All we have is to share the knowledge of a loving God that will that people need so bad. As you said, the harvest is ripe. Harvest is ripe because there's so many people broken and hurting that don't know the love of Christ. And there's a lot of Christians out there that got it bass backwards in how they're approaching this because they've become <laughs> to think that yeah. they know how 
this should be done and this should and my per because I'm at church because I'm going because I dress correctly or uh, my kids behave then I'm doing it right and it's by acts and and we have to be on guard and honestly we have to do a really good job of reframing what other cruddy Christians have done because a lot of people yeah. that want nothing to do with church is because that they were burned somewhere before. Yeah. And people told them they were unwanted. They turned their back on them. They kicked them out. And a lot of people just view the church as hip- hypocritical and just a country club kind of pissing contest, yeah. honestly, that just tries to figure out how we can do something better than the other person. Yeah. Country club. And that just burns me up, man. I'm getting so fired up at the thought of how do I don't want to be anything like that. I want nothing to do with any of that. I mean, I'd say I'd fall guilty to friendships that we have. We were all guilty to those, to some of that. But I just, I want us to be known as people that loves first. And it's scary to me when I hear words about truth, 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 which is true. Uh, if I step back, the guy that wrote the book, Messy Grace, also references an a- analogy of a rubber band. And he talks about truth being the tension in the rubber band, the looseness being grace. And if you go with too much grace, it just hangs loosely around your finger. It has no impact. If you strain too tight, the rubber band breaks, then that's truth too much. It hurts. Yeah. And uh, and so how do we walk in that? But I just go to like, we have this tendency just because of icky sin or whatever to want to tell people, this is what I believe. This is what my views are and shove it down people's throats because we're just scared that we could be affiliated with whatever that whatever that is. Those people know what you think. Those people already know what your opinion is. How are you showing something different from what they saw to say, man, do you care to know somebody's name? Do you care to know where they came from? Do you care to know when their birthday is? And are you intentionally putting stuff in your calendar on your phone to go out of your way to say, hey, to build a relationship with people? Woo, fired up, dude. I keep thinking too of uh, the first step is earnestly seeking after God and seeking after his love. And I think the more that you press into God and the more that God reveals himself to you and the more you get vulnerable with him, the more you realize how messed up you are, the more you realize how much you need him, the more that that love will just ooze out of you. And yeah. and I think it's even just a simple thing where if you feel like, well, yeah, I want to do that. I want to be in more of those interactions. <laughs> How do I do that? It might just be a simple thing of God. Can you send the people to me? Yeah, just ask open God. Open my eyes. Yeah, to open see my it. eyes. There's a that was a great song. Uh, what was it Matt Moore or something from years and years ago? Yeah. Give me the hands. You know, give me the feet. Give me the eyes. Oh the, man, the the, the eyes. Well, then to, give me the eyes to see things how you see things. Toby Max quote too when he was in the Lord grant us the privilege <laughs> of your worldview. Yeah, is the way he framed it in one of his songs, and that's that's a scary. It really is a scary thing to ask for because oh, yeah. you start to have to lay down your own selfishness, yeah, to actually love others. Yeah, you know, it, that's it's, exactly it's, right. There's a parallel of of marriage there of you know uh, laying down yourself so that you can push up your spouse and grow in love, and and the fact that we would push a certain people away is basically to denounce the sacrifice of Christ. That he made for all. Yeah. That's a scary place to be in. Yeah. Mentally. Well, exactly. And I just think about how if we had the privilege of his worldview, when when we saw um, somebody with purple hair walking with a picket sign that says stuff that we don't agree with on the side of the road, 
he views them as someone he loves more than anything. He sees somebody laying on a park bench, sleeping at night, homeless, addicted to heroin. He sees somebody that he loves more than anything. And we're asking for him to lay that same type of pressure on us to see and share that type of love. Is is It's a hard road. The easy road is just to kind of say, ah, it's not for me, that's weird, that's icky. I don't want any part of it. We have to know that when we put on Christ in baptism and when we... um take on him as our savior, we're saying, Lord, I will walk that walk for you. And so my, my biggest piece that I want to drive home with it, and I'm repeating myself in it, is not, not hopefully this isn't new to some of you, but some of them you need re- reminding that nothing you did got you saved. Nothing you did earned you grace. You fail every day. You get up and you are as ugly as anyone else in sin. And it's only by the grace of God and His grace that we have that chance to walk alongside Him. And we need to remember that. Some people need to be humbled into that reminder to get off what we think we are that are very Pharisee-like and to put on the eyes of the Lord to say, hey, how do I seek the lost? And what does that look like in my daily life? Take up that cross daily. Yeah. When we take the cross up and... To me, that's a remembrance of exactly what you just said. Yeah. A daily remembrance of his sacrifice and our inability to earn that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. And so, I mean, that was that was one of the biggest pieces, you know, that I wanted us to chat about today. It's been heavy on me. Um, and I, I hope it drives some discussion with people uh, to look out. More than anything, I hope it just plants a seed to say, hey, am I spending time in the Word? Am I spending time in prayer, asking God to put me in situations where I can love people that normally don't walk, talk, and act like me. And and I have no selfish ambition. I have no gain to have. And maybe I'm not going to try to push anything on them until I've been able to visit with them for multiple times just to share life and who they are. Because nobody's going to listen to you until you build relationship with them. In order to build a relationship, you have to intentionally go seek them out multiple times. So that's what we got today, brother. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Appreciate you being here. Hope uh, this is useful to you. We appreciate always the watch. And if you think about it and wanted to share it out there with somebody else, to if this is useful, you think uh, we appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks a ton.